We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff, we have liftoff. Today's 10 questions is with the doyen of entertainment journalism, Angela Bishop. She's been with Network 10 for 29 years, and she's interviewed everyone from U2 to Julia Roberts, and she was one of the last journalists to interview the legendary Audrey Hepburn. Not only has she been on the news every night for nearly three decades, but she's always on the red carpet at the Emmys, the Oscars, and the Golden Globes, as well as all the Australian award shows and premieres. She was also on Hinge, Alan Jones Live. She was the resident entertainment reporter on E! news and she was a permanent guest on the panel basically if you're an international celebrity coming to australia i would suggest it was a wasted trip if you didn't talk to Ange. her mother is of course the well-known and long-time liberal politician bronwyn bishop and her father was a judge she talks about her parents in the interview and she also talks about her husband peter who tragically passed away in november from a rare form of cancer his passing leaves Ange and their 10 year old daughter amelia fighting the good fight and angela says amelia is the best best and bravest fighter she knows. I've seen Ange around the traps for years and I'm so glad we finally got to do this interview. And as usual, I started by asking Ange when she was most happy. I thought about funny moments when I um, when I first saw this question. I thought about, you know, like when I found myself in a room one-on-one interviewing Robert Plant, the man I'd had on my wall as a teenager, as a poster growing up, wow. and, you know, finally came face-to-face with him and, and, and was able to speak because I really figured I would never be able to speak when I was in his presence, that I'd just sort of go, hi, bleh, yeah. say nothing. So that was a pretty happy moment. And I have <laughs> to say the very first um, ever episode of the panel because um, Working Dog had rung me out of the blue and said, we'd like you to be on this new show. I said, what is it? They kind of explained it. And I kind of didn't really understand, but I said, yes. <laughs> I grabbed it with both hands. I just remember that that moment of sheer terror turning to sheer joy um, when the camera switched on. I thought, wow, I'm so lucky to be a part of this. Mm. This is true, pure joy and uh, forever grateful to them. But... I do have to say when it comes to real, real happiness, I'm going to say it was uh, 2015 and it was um, a 10th wedding anniversary holiday that my husband and my daughter Amelia took to Fiji and uh, it was just everything you could have hoped for. Weather perfect, meals perfect, everything perfect, just, you know, um, non-stop days in each other's company and, and just... It was magical. I, I, I bet. Um, the panel was really something that brought you to national recognition. Um, oh, definitely, you know, yeah. It was, it, uh, was, it was really something that you were able to kind of show your personality and, you know, because it's a different thing to just reporting versus kind of, you know, you were having a chat with people and we really got to know you. It was great. It's the last thing you're ever supposed to do in the in the news, you know. I'd, I'd spent my whole career till that point making sure keep the personality out of it. It's about delivering the information, you know, delivering the story. And so, yeah, that that's why it was like jumping off a cliff because it's oh my god, they're just gonna it's just me. It's yeah. gonna find out about me. And that, <laughs> and that first and that first episode, just in case I wasn't nervous enough, um, I had been over in Perth 
the night before for the U2, first U2 concert of the tour that year and interviewed Bono backstage. That was an interview that I think was supposed to take place maybe 11.30 p.m. Actually took place near at 3 a.m. And then I just stayed awake, got on the red eye back to Melbourne, uh, pretty much walked into makeup and uh, had a kind of a meeting. And they said, this is basically what we're going to do. And then we went live at 9.30. My God. Uh, so it was, um, but again, pure joy, pure happiness. Yeah. So it was a great, it was a great show to be a part of and really groundbreaking at the time. You know, you look around and you see panel shows um, everywhere, you know, in so many places and so many manifestations now, but that was that was the first. That was the the one that came first. And oh. yeah, as I said, forever grateful to the guys for for thinking of me. Well, yeah, it was like it was like unbelievable in a, in a way because if you pitched it on paper, you go, ah, I don't know, if that's going to be that you know visually <laughs> exactly. interesting. But it was compelling television. Exactly, because <laughs> they'd say no overlay, and I go, oh, good, so it really is just me, <laughs> just wow. chatting. And then we weren't allowed to, you know weren't allowed to talk about what we were going to talk about, so you couldn't even run it by anyone because I wanted everything to be spontaneous. And, and I think that was the secret. It was all spontaneous. Yes, yes. Those working dog guys do do know what they're doing. They, they are. Yeah, they Each do. and every one of them geniuses. Totally. Because if you look at Thank God You're Here in America, I think there was a little bit of this is what the uh, improvisation is going to be about and, and people kind of came on with bits prepared whereas with, with the Australian version you did get a sense that they were just like walking on and jumping off a cliff I think that's what makes the best television is when as an audience member as a person watching it you've got a sense of fear you've got a sense hmm. that anything could happen here and there's a danger and that's my favorite television to be a part of too anything that's live like that where you, you just don't know where it's going to go yeah yeah absolutely um, and who would you like to apologise to and why? Yeah. I, see, the chances are I'm going to run into him, so I, I should have the apology ready, I think. Um, Daryl Braithwaite, of course, in the 70s, late 70s, was, of course, a um, huge star, you know, Sherbet, big heartthrob mm. and the whole lot. Sadly for him, he lived not too far away from me and sadly for him I cottoned on to that fact because I was walking home one afternoon and saw him in the front yard doing Tai Chi with his top off. Now, um, back in, you know, today that would be on social media and there'd be paparazzi and all the rest of it and blah, 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 blah. But because everyone in my year adored Sherbet and mm. thought Daryl Braithwaite was fantastic, I um, may have charged them 20 cents to tell them where he lived so that they could go and see him doing the Tai Chi thing for themselves. Now, see, that's awful behaviour, really awful behaviour, and and I shouldn't have done it, and it's and it's, it reflects very badly on me, and, and so I, I really ought to apologise for Daryl Braithwaite, who would have been wondering why he'd have these groups of giggling primary school children gathered out his fence when he was just busy trying to de-stress from the life of being a major <laughs> rock star. Um, and uh, sadly, it was my fault, probably never thinking at the time that I would ever, A, ever have a conversation with him, B, run into him, let alone have to interview him every wow. now and then as part of my job. So I haven't actually brought it up 
at any stage yet. So um, that time may be coming. I, I would like to congratulate you for your journalist in- instincts at a very young age. <laughs> and, and what did you spend your money on? Did you like on Tuck Shop or? Oh uh, no, I wasn't too big into Tuck Shop. I think I would have. I would have been albums. I was obsessed with music. Right. So I would have. There you go. I would have reinvested it into a Sherbet album, yeah. thereby giving him royalties. So it, it, it in kind in, in a kind of way he benefited from. That's right. It's all circular. Um, <laughs> question three: What is your greatest regret? Um. Uh, you know, occasionally I look back at moments in my career where I didn't back myself. You know, and I go, "You just should have backed yourself. There. You shouldn't have let." people convince you that you weren't right do you know what I mean and mm. then, then I go but then some other sideways opportunity has ended up happening and it's kind of all worked out anyway do you know what I mean so mm. then I think that's not really a regret I do regret that um the clothes and hairdos that I had um <laughs> early on air in channel 10 news in the early 90s are still here for everyone to find. And not pretty much not a day goes by when one of the new young reporters calls me over to their desk to say, look at this, yeah. um, which yeah. is just by virtue <laughs> of the fact that when you've been at a television network, the same one for 29 years, <laughs> 29 years, they, wow. um, there is that kind of evidence lying around. And um, that, and coupled with the fact that some nasty, nasty man somewhere in the world keeps making televisions bigger yeah. and clearer <laughs> and i believe 8k is coming and oh, as Lord. i get older they're getting clearer and bigger <laughs> that's another thing i regret well i first met you at trop fest and every year they do a kind of a montage of john paulson's different haircuts over the past <laughs> 23 years as well it's one of the yeah. um it's one of the problems with having kind of thick hair uh you know <laughs> you experiment yeah, yeah. But when you're a woman, come on, Adam, you know, it's yeah. 50 times worse because you're going to throw in shoulder pads, giant earrings, <laughs> coral lipstick, electric glue, uh, mascara. <laughs> yeah, The horror, the horror. The next question is what will you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Um, there's lots more than I want to do. What I love about this business is that you constantly have the opportunity to learn um, new things. The whole digital world's opened up um, things for me. I find it exciting. I love playing in the digital world and and using that to tell my stories as much as I have in television up until now and occasionally radio and the like. Um, so I I just love the idea to keep going. Long, longevity um, in this business is what I what I seek and what I hope to achieve. Um, you know, I'd love one day to to do a an entertainment show with a twist, something that's not cheesy, something that's not um, that's not what people expect. Mm. And I've kind of got sort of an idea percolating in my mind. Um, I love playing on radio. I'd love to do more of that as time goes on. Um, you know, I, I just I, I love the opportunity to play in all these new sand pits. It's just, um, yeah, fun times. Fun yeah. times. You, you can't. You can't stagnate in this business. That's the joy of it. 
that's that's the greatness of it because it is constantly changing. You seem to be working harder now, you know, with Studio 10 and then you've got the news and you've got everything in between. You seem to be working harder now than you did back when you started. Back when I was young enough to be working that hard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the digital yeah, medium, that, you have to deliver more, don't you? Yeah, and that, I think that's true for everyone in journalism today. Um, you know, you're... You're doing online, you're doing your gramming, you're tweeting, mm. you're, you're doing all of that, you're preparing online material, you're getting your main story done as well, which back in the day, let's be honest, you did one story yeah. for the day. That was all you worked on for the whole day. And I can't even think back to those days because now I, you, I write it, I edit it as well uh, on oh, my wow. computer at my desk uh, on top of everything else. So you've picked up m- new skills there, um, so to speak. But again, it's a change I've embraced because I think the more you do, and it's something I found when I became a mum, the more you do, the more you can get done. Yeah. And I like that busyness and I like that constant uh, that constant movement and I'm going from live TV to preparing a report to doing a radio interview to jumping out on a red carpet. I, I sort of, I love that all that's part of my day. Yeah. Um, I, I'm fascinated. When did they actually tell you you had to start editing your own stories? <laughs> that was that was some years back. Then. Really? Um, yeah. Gosh, let me think. Maybe four years ago, five years ago. So we actually had to to learn how. To, now, I had back when I was working on on Hinch um, when I was a reporter on Darren's show way back when. I'd actually learned to edit in what was called an old nine hundred suite back oh, in the wow. day. Uh, you do you remember those? Oh yeah. They're like. A tape to tape, linear editing. Yeah. Um, you know, you made a mistake, you had to go back to where the mistake was and re-edit, you know, not like today where you can jump in anyway, not linear. So yeah. I had a good idea about editing in my head. So I sort of had probably my brain trained in that manner. Mm. So it wasn't too hard to learn once I learned and then you just get in the habit of doing it, you know, quickly. That's because amazing. That five o'clock deadline yeah. creeps up every single day. <laughs> Um, it's amazing that you could do that, do on the, um, the, the reels. They were like, you know. The, oh, not reels. I'm not, not that old. No, no, tape. the video kind tape. of thing. So the, beat, uh, beta cam, beta yeah. cam tape. But that I'm, is, I'm not that old. Please, no, give me a minute. I'm not saying you're <laughs> editing on a steam back. I'm saying steam back. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, those, they, I just remember the, the guys in there. This is the nineties, right? You know, and they kind yeah. of, yeah, they had these kind of, I don't know. It was tape, though, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was beta cam tape. So yeah. like, like the same ones you had at home yeah. that you would in it if you bought the beta instead of the VHS. So yeah. they were the same shape as that. But you had you had two machines and you, you'd you have to cut it in a linear fashion from one to another tape. That's right. So, that... yeah, so it was a pain in the neck. But I'm impressed. That's, uh, that's good. <laughs> um, question five is, who is the person who most influenced you and how? I can't, I can't divide it. I have to say both my parents, my mum and my dad. So my dad was a lawyer who became a judge and mum you might have heard of. Yes. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's been, she was a politician for most of my life. Um, so what I, what I got from each of them, um, my dad, two things, sense of humour. That's the thing that I always remember about my dad and I just, some of the happiest memories I have are of sitting down as a kid listening to Bill Cosby records, which I suppose isn't the right thing to say anymore, but that's, that back then it was okay. Um, 
you know, listening to um, uh, watching the Dave Allen show. He'd let me stay up and watch Dave Allen oh, with wow. him. Do you remember Dave Allen, oh, the, yeah. the Irish comedian who'd sit on a stool with a whiskey and a cigarette and just tell jokes? He was just gold. Good, I still good I taste. Just, Your dad had yeah, good taste. yeah. He had great, he had great taste. British comedy, uh, anything. He'd he'd get it. He'd get albums or he'd discover shows and we'd we'd watch them together and my little sister and dad and I and I think that really instilled a love for me that with with comedy just being the the, the, the top of the tree, the best thing ever. Mm. Um, and he also he was he's a genius, my dad. He spoke seven languages, you know, he excelled at law. He's just a very, very smart man. And um if he ever had a problem, he just had the best way of thinking it through. He'd just, he'd just say, open your mind and think sideways. And that advice oh, wow. has always been really, really good. And I've always held on to it. Mum, obviously, is someone who has achieved incredible things. You know, the first woman to be member of the House of Representatives and the Senate. She, she broke down barriers. I remember the day she left Parliament, we had, um, you know, women from all uh, parties you know, all different flavours come and and say, you know, without you, there it would have been a lot harder for the rest of us. You know, oh, you, people wow. you'd be surprised. People you'd be surprised to see. And it yeah. was, I thought it was really special. And um, you know, she she was also a great mum, and she was she was at things. Although she was working, she was always at the ballet concerts, and she was at the debates, and as was dad, and that sort of thing. So she has showed me, I think that. Um, you can put your mind you can you can achieve anything you put your mind to just put your head down and your bum up and work really really hard and she also had a passionate belief system so did my father if you decide to go into politics when you're 16 it's because you believe in it Mm. and um i think that that's what i followed in follow your belief system and don't deviate here are the details of bronwyn's political career she was a senator from 1987 to 1994 and then from 94 to 2016 she was a member of the house of representatives she was a minister in the howard government and was speaker of the house from 2013 to 2015 and holds the record for the longest period of parliamentary service by a woman i asked angie if it was hard to be a journalist when her mother was such a high profile politician it's funny because I didn't know any different, so I've only had my own experience to compare it to. Mm. I mean, there'd been other children of, of politicians before, I suppose. There'd been the Willises who'd gone into journalism after their father being a um, politician. Um, Carol Thatcher was a journalist, Margaret oh. Thatcher's daughter, I suppose. But I didn't think of any of that at the time. <laughs> In mm. retrospect, it might have been a good idea to have a chat with Mike Willisey or something. But um, yeah. uh, I I didn't find it a problem. My, my degree at university that I did, I, I didn't do a journalism degree. Um, I did a, a political science degree because it was something that I was always interested in. And um, I thought if you're going to be a journalist, you need to know, you know, a bit of, uh, bit of everything, but you mainly need to know English, you need to know politics of all countries, which, mm-hmm. which I covered in political science. Uh, I did a bit of economics because I thought you have to have a sort of a loose grip on that, just so I had some good base knowledge for being a journalist. And so I felt confident and comfortable that when I came to journalism, and I was a general reporter when I first started, I didn't go straight into entertainment, that I was um, respected enough and um, people knew me well enough that I, I was a journalist who stood on my own two feet and was impartial and could be could be judged as such. And I have to say that's how it played out. Um, I never had any um, 
any issues in that respect. I obviously wasn't the federal political reporter, so I wasn't going to cross paths with what was going on mm. um, with Mum. But I, w- I was grateful that um, that my my uh, you know my credentials as a journalist were respected, and that I was allowed to just go on with my job. But I think also you know with studying what I had. You know, if if a story came up on the U.S. primaries, I I knew what the U.S. primaries were. Yeah. You know, I knew I knew how the congressional system of government worked, so I, I had that base knowledge and so forth. Or, and you know, I I knew more about left wing politics than most lefties because I had to study all the textbooks at uni. You know, so yeah. For anyone to accuse me of being one way or the other, well, I'd I'd read the whole lot because that's what we had to do. Yeah. So, I could quote any side for you back in the day. Have you? Did you ever think of going into politics yourself? Um, I, I was involved in student politics, um, and, uh, I was the first female chairman of the students union at the University of New South Wales, actually, oh, wow. back in the day. Um, but at the same time, I also did reviews. I did law reviews and med reviews and had a lot of fun too. Um, but that's, no, that was enough for me. <laughs> it was great being on the student union council and I liked having a say in how, um, the uni ran and, uh, you know, making it as good for students as we could, and I, and I did really enjoy that. Um, but, um, no, journalism is something I'd always wanted to do since I was, I think, 10 or 11. Yeah, so yeah. I've not, I've not deviated from that. I, I, I'm passionate about what I do. It, it is a relief to, to know what you want to do at an early age. Isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? I did count myself lucky because I heard some of the girls coming back from the um, careers council and I went, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no. It's much better if you can come up with an idea than have them suggest some crazy stuff for you. <laughs> oh, that's right. Absolutely. Um, when was the last time you cried and why? Um, well, I'm crying every day at the moment, so... Mm. Um, it's not a – you can't predict it. Grief affects everyone different ways, I guess, and just there's a point every day where it where it gets me. Mm. Usually when I'm by myself because I try to be as happy around Amelia as I can. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, and I, I don't know how long that will go on for. It's a, it's a new, it's a new normal, and um, it's not something I'd wish on anyone. Mm. Has, has there been any great advice? Um, there is lots of advice out there, which is terrific, um, and uh, I've been pleased to learn that there are a lot of uh, government agencies that, that are there to help people and so forth. I'm fortunate that we've got incredible friends and family around us. But I know there will be a lot of people out there who don't. And I've been very, um, you know, uh, I've been quite amazed by how much is actually out there and, and provided by some wonderful caring people at various services that are out there. Um Nothing has popped up as, wow, that's the thing I'm going to grab onto so far, but I think it's still so raw and new for me that, um, yeah, I I don't think I can even get my head around advice too much at the moment. I, I remember uh, my 
mum died when I was in my 20s and uh, at the time I was writing uh, it was back at, I was a journo for the Herald Sun I was writing four stories or five stories a day and some you know so I was writing about say 15,000 <laughs> words a week and I went to a counsellor and she said what would be really great for you Adam is if you write write down how you're feeling every day and then I just burst into tears because I was like <laughs> I do not want to write another word <laughs> you know oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, and, and I'm sure, see, the thing is that will have worked for someone else. Totally. That would have been a great piece of advice for someone else and everybody is different. And I think to some degree you you find your own way through. But um, mm. people have been incredible, you know, just uh, unexpected people coming from unexpected places with just little pieces of um, wisdom, particularly if they've been through something similar, losing a, a parent when they were young and just passing on little things for Amelia and so forth. And, mm. um, you know, I, I, um, I've been amazed at the kindness of both friends and strangers. Oh, that's great. That's really good. I guess this next question goes on from that, and that is what is your current state of mind? Yeah. Look, all through Peter's illness, he was incredible. He, he fought very, very hard. And he kept, he always kept saying, you know, we're lucky, really. <laughs> and I'd go, yeah, to tell. And um, he would. He'd make it, he'd list a whole lot of, of reasons why we were lucky. And um, I, I'm keeping that going. So every day I try to think of, ways in which we are lucky because I know, A, that's what he would want us to do and, B, it's just a good way of um, of tuning your brain on a daily basis. A little bit of gratitude puts your head in a very good space. Mm. Put it this way, I haven't been sweating the small stuff for a long time. Oh, that's, <laughs> like that's good. I have a very new perspective. You, you won't find me getting... Um, to have under the collar about anything that doesn't really matter. That that's really what an incredible guy to have that uh, attitude and that kind of uh, level of awareness in a way. Yeah, he was incredible. Um, and what do you consider your greatest achievement? Oh, um, oh, look, any day I get through the juggle of being a working mum, I think any day I. Um, yeah, and you, you know that when you when you when you got a day and you get everything on the lunch boxes, right? Amelia's in the right uniform for school. She had the right equipment for whatever she had to go. And I got all my work done, and we got home at the end of the day. We sat down to dinner, and I go nailed it today, nailed it. <laughs> um, I consider that a great achievement. By the same token, when the day is a catastrophe from beginning to end, because I've balls everything up. Um, it's a great achievement if I can not beat myself up too much about it. Yeah, <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Totally. <laughs> I spend a lot of time beating myself up. Yeah, <laughs> and, me too. And do you know, do, to stop. Well, yeah, I mean, it used to happen to me, you know, when I was a journalist too, it's like, why didn't I ask that or why did oh, I ask that? <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I still do that, Adam. I still do that. I can't, I can't, you know, and I go, oh, oh, and this one question just pops in your head. Because I, I tend not to – I research my heart out, but I tend not to actually prepare questions before I do an interview because I like to let a conversation, mm. uh, you know, happen organically. I think sometimes you just get some great some great stuff. Um, but 
then every now and then I go, but I should write maybe just something down. And then, you know, you walk out and go, wow, I should have asked that. That would have been great. And, yeah. I beat, and I beat myself up for the whole day. You're absolutely right. And I just go, well, this story's okay. But if I'd asked that, it would have been amazing. Yeah. But, yeah. But is that stupid? What a waste of time. Yeah, totally. It's like some <laughs> sort of, like, interview hangover, you know. It's like, <laughs> um, you know, and and it big, this is the thing for me being a being, – was when I was a journal and a fan – and it was always scary meeting your heroes. Did you have you ever yeah. found that? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Robert Plant, yeah, aforementioned one. Um, uh, Clive James, yeah. I remember the first time because you know I've his his writing. I just worship his writing. Mm. Um, I think Unreliable Memoirs is one of the funniest things I've read in my life. Mm. And I remember trying to be so clever in the way I worded my question. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to because I was I, I was really young at the time and just trying to um, impress him. So that's I wanted him to think I was okay. That was so important to me. Yeah. And um, and I just didn't want to make an idiot of myself. And I tried way too hard. And he sort of very gently let me down. He goes, "That was a very interesting question, but I have no idea what you meant because <laughs> I put." I'd put so many big words in it or what I thought were big words or clever sentences or I'd tried to do something like that. It was just a hopeless disaster. The interview improved after that but because, uh, of course, he, any interview with him is gold because he just gives great answers and so forth. But, uh, yeah, yeah, there have been a few times like that. Um, but uh, I've, I've mostly held it together, fortunately. The second last question, who would you want on your side in a battle? And why? I'm going to say my little daughter. I'm going to say Amelia. She's only 10, but um, she would be sensational. She she is – she just surprises and delights me every day as she did Pete. She um, – when she was born, she had a, a, a heart problem that required her having surgery when she was two days old. And, and it's all fixed now. She's absolutely fine. They did an amazing job and she was fine, left hospital five days later and all good. But she, from the moment she came through that like a like a trooper, you know, feeding straight out of surgery and doing all the things she was supposed to do and recover, she's just always been remarkable and strong and... Um, and wise. She kind of has a wisdom beyond the years. Um, and she did have even before the, you know, the last couple of months. And um, I I would have her by my side. I reckon between us we're pretty formidable. Um, and the final question, oh. what would you like your last words to be? Yeah, see, my two favourite lots of last words, and I'm a bit of an aficionado of last words because, you know, I, I'm a huge Oscar Wilde fan. Uh, I just got another new Oscar Wilde book. I have about 12. I've got another new one for Christmas, which I can't wait to get my teeth into. Um, so the old either this wallpaper goes or I do is an absolute <laughs> favourite um, for him. But I also love Spike Milligan. See, I told you I was ill. Yes. Um, so I'm hoping I live long enough to come up with some final words that could be possibly said in the same breath as those ones. That's my aim. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. 
10 questions with Adam Joir. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. America's 911 call takers work around the clock to keep us safe, answering more than 240 million calls each year. They support and protect all of us, and they deserve our support, too. That's why this April, National 911 Education Month, we want to thank our area's 911 call takers and dispatchers by sharing their stories. Thank you, 911, for being there when we need you most. Visit thankyou911.org to show your gratitude today.